Hi, this is Don Van Natta. Welcome to the first ever Sunday Long Read podcast. I guess we'll call it the SLR pod for now. And I'm thrilled to be here with Jody Abergan, a host and producer of 30 for 30 podcasts. He is off to a phenomenal start. The opening season uh, just wrapped up about a month ago. I want to talk with him about that. He's also kind enough every week to contribute to the Sunday Long Read newsletter as the SLR senior podcast editor and makes his choices of great podcasts that he loves. And uh, Jody, welcome. Thanks. And um, it, I think you've already learned something important about podcasting, which is do your first few on comfortable territory. You know, this is going to be a softball conversation. And then you can start <laughs> to branch right. out into the more hard hitting stuff. That's right. Well, one of my pipe dreams is to actually do a podcast. So I would love <laughs> to do that down the road. And, it is uh, everyone's pipe dream these days. Let me tell you. It is. Uh, and, there, and, there are, thing. and there are so many. And yes. the yes. fact that you guys were able to break through. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, the 30 for Thank 30 you. podcast is I love it. I love great storytelling. It's phenomenal storytelling. And tell me how it started. You're lucky enough to not just be present at the creation, but be a co-creator of something new and cool. And how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, look, it is something new and something cool, but it is coming from a brand that is, uh, you know, beloved, and it's like being thrown the keys to a really nice car, and someone saying, you know, take it for a spin, but don't drive it into a ditch. And so that's been a a, a lot of what's been keeping me up at night, uh, you know, over the last year or so, but also just this opportunity to kind of launch with, not from scratch, launch with a lot of the goodwill that 30 for 30 has and try and do justice to what I really love about 30 for 30 films and try and kind of translate that to podcast form, which has been a challenge. Uh, in terms of thinking about the different mediums, but also like a really exciting project to try and translate whatever it is that's special about 30 for 30 films into the podcast form. For, from the like nuts and bolts of how this all came together, I mean, it was really just a series of conversations with the folks at ESPN who happened to share a floor with me. I work at, as well as 30 for 30, I also work at 538, and we like actually physically share space in New York. And so I just got to know the films folks and then they wandered over one day and said, hey, we are thinking about doing podcasts. And then we started just talking and when, and here we are. And it was Connor Shell, right? Who's mm-hmm. now the head of all ESPN content, I believe, and Libby Geist who first reached out to you yeah. sort of informally to see if it's something you'd be interested in. And it's a no brainer answer, right? Like, of course, let's go. Yes. I mean, in a way we were maybe the last ones to have the idea that there should be 30 for 30 podcasts, but, uh, and, and the initial idea was really like, can we take the audio from the films and somehow repurpose it? Uh, we have this, there's this great catalog. Now it's much more than 30 films. It's I think almost a hundred at this point. And so we actually tried that. We, we ripped the audio from a few docs and recut them. And then I remember walking around my neighborhood, listening to it and thinking, this doesn't work. And so then we kind of came around to the idea that I had hoped we would come around to all along, which is, okay, if we're going to do this right, we got to think of this as an entirely new project, find entirely new stories, stories that fit 
audio, report them out, and basically make original audio documentaries from scratch. And in order to do that, we had to hire a team of producers and get some serious backing. And you know, luckily, we were able to kind of bring that all together and then, and then have a lot of time to do this first season. And the first season, which, of course, the, the opening uh, episode, if you will, was 55 Minutes, The Trials of Dan and Dave, which I just love. It's just a <laughs> fascinating story uh, about uh, these two obscure track and field decathletes back in 1992 and the, and the all-in investment that Reebok made in Dan and Dave and what happened. And, of course, I remember it as being a bust, but you tell it in such a compelling way. How did you come up with that idea and how long did it take just to do that particular podcast? Yeah, I mean, that is like a classic 30 for 30. I mean, it's got the sort of nostalgia play, right? We're in that sweet spot of 25 years later. Uh, and I think that gets to a lot of what's great about 30 for 30s is that when you take stories that are 10, 15, 20, 25 years old, a conventional wisdom bakes in. And as you just said, a lot of people, if they remember it, remember it as, you know, one sentence in sports history. And then you get to say, you get to write the paragraphs around it uh, before and after. And you get to really sort of flesh out all those layers and, and the twists and turns and the things people don't remember. Uh, so that was sort of a no brainer, I think. It had always been sort of percolating as a possible 30 for 30 film. And I think it just came up in one of our early meetings and it was like, okay, yeah, well, let's do this. Um, we found it really important to do what I think 30 for 30 also does as well. The films do, which is, you know, these larger themes. So we knew that we had to establish that Dan and Dave were compelling characters and that we could go back to them. We could get long interviews with them and get to know them a little bit so that when everything goes haywire in this, ad campaign we kind of feel for them but then we also really wanted to connect up to these larger bigger themes so for instance this is a story about an ad campaign it's also kind of touches this story of as you said you know track and field a relatively obscure sport within track and field uh, obscure event within track and field the decathlon this was their one moment in the sun and then all of a sudden it goes haywire and so you can kind of tell the story of like how a sport enters the public consciousness. It's definitely related to the larger story of Nike versus Reebok. You know, yeah. I mean, you can, the last 30 years is basically just this series of futile attempts by Reebok to, to catch <laughs> Nike. And in retrospect, to think that like, they thought they were going to do it with two decathletes <laughs> is a little uh, silly, but you know, they went, oh, and they bought four ads at the Super Bowl around these guys. And so, you know, those kind of moments where you connect up to larger, cultural trends or political trends or, you know, marketing trends is something we think about a lot to, to, to not just have it be kind of the tight little story. Uh, but that, of course, needs to be compelling as well. Um, Production-wise, I mean, we started in last, last winter and started talking to Dan, obviously, and Dave and got tons and tons of interviews with them. I think we went to each of them three times and got two to three hours each time. You wow. Know? And, wow, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, you, you know this probably as well as anyone. It's like when you're really trying to do this long-form stuff, you know, you do two hours of interviews just to get to the set, to the third and fourth hour, which is when you're actually going to get the stuff you want, you know? Yes. And especially for audio where it's just someone's voice, where they really need to paint that scene and really take you there and make it intimate and really stretch out those moments you're asking people to tell stories over and over and, and slow that part down or tell me what the, you know, what the weather was like, tell me what you were thinking. Um, 
one thing I think about a lot is when someone is giving you good tape, so to speak, it's like they're seeing the movie in their head and they're describing what they're seeing, you know, and that's different from their analyzing it from a remove or they're kind of recapping it. You want them sort of experiencing it again and then describing that experience. And that's when you kind of get that good tape. And a lot of that requires just establishing a relationship with people to get to that point where they'll just open up in that way. It's true. It's magical when you have somebody that you're interviewing and they go all in with you in the sense yeah. that, you know, they're imagining it just the way you are as this great narrative and story that they're telling in a really compelling way. I'm just curious with Dan and Dave, you, okay, so three sit downs with them was, was the best tape in that last sit down? Was it, was it a case where they got comfortable enough and really were imagining it in the way that you say, or, or was it some stuff in that first sit down that, that you used in the, in the final cut? It's a little bit of both. And my colleague, Andrew Mambo, did a lot of the reporting on this story. And he's the one who really established a relationship mm -hmm. with, with Dan and Dave. And, um, you know, he had long phone calls with them before he even went out to visit with them. And then he, you know, he booked a trip where he went out and spent two days. And, you know, one, you come, you go over to someone's house and you spend a few hours on the first day and you talk and you get tape and then you kind of go back and you listen to the tape and there's some glimmers in there of like, oh, this story has something a little deeper. And you come back the next day and yes, the relationship is established. I think in the end, we ended up using tape from all of the sessions. But then, you know, I think the third time we went back to them or the final time we went back to them, uh, it was much more in a... Um, in a plugging holes kind of way, you know, so we'd done a couple edits already and we realized like, oh, we would really love a little bit more on this scene or we really don't have them saying this. With Dan and Dave in particular, we didn't have an ending. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest, I still don't think we have like the perfect ending in that episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was like we didn't have just that kind of like, what does it all mean tape from them? We had it from others and then we realized like, no, we really want it from them. And so we went back and and at that point, we'd haven't had enough of a relationship. I think you were getting at this where we could say like, you know, not in a cynical way, but like, hey, guys, here's what we kind of need. Yes. <laughs> uh, can we can you go there? Can you tell this story again? Can you kind of touch on these themes? Um, and then they they give it to you. So so there's kind of three phases. There's like the getting to know you phase. There's the like, OK, now we're talking. I'm finding out what you have to tell me phase. And then there's the very like we need X, Y, and Z phase where just, um, you know, give me that tape. Yeah. And even, even details, I mean, details, as you know, are so critical to any long form project, mm -hmm. whether it's a podcast that you're doing or the kind of pieces that I write and I'll find the third, fourth, fifth time. You just, you ask for that, that great detail that makes something come alive and you're, and you're plugging in those holes after the three or four earlier conversations. Yeah, they, they get you right. there. Um, I'm so impressed, Jody, with the production quality. There's original music for mm -hmm. these episodes, uh, the archival stuff. I mean, just those 15 second ads, which I remember from that Super Bowl, from that kind of boring Super Bowl in January of 1992, that really make it come alive and gives an urgency. All five of the episodes have that. They carry this sort of urgency. They're, they're older stories for the most part, but the archival uh, audio that you have is so important, isn't it, to really make these things seem as if they're occurring in real time? Yeah, and I think that's, we talk a lot about how I think 30 for 30, the films folks wanted to learn about podcasting from us, but I was just ex as excited to 
learn about 30 for 30 and, you know, think about what are all the lessons from the films that we can do in podcasting and maybe, you know, do in, in podcasting for the first time. And certainly over the course of this first season, I mean, I kind of knew it going in, but this first season really reinforced to me that one of the hallmarks of 30 for 30 in general in our podcast as well is just great archival. Like I would almost put that as number one on the list of things that are just like, you know, it's a 30 for 30. The archival is doing the work. The archival is creating that sense of urgency, is putting you in place. And I just love, I don't know, it's, it's like almost too easy, like the magic of archival tape. Like it almost works on me too consistently, you know? <laughs> but like I just get a thrill every time I hear a great piece of archival. And I would almost always rather hear a piece of archival than a narrator kind of tell me, you know, that, that a narrator, like for instance, in Dan and Dave, you know, there's moments where like I as the narrator could say, and then we're at the 1992 trials in New Orleans. But I would much rather hunt and find that piece of archival where we hear Bob Costas say it with the music behind him. And, you know, that's not the cheapest piece of tape to get. But, you know, we, we, we license it and we include it. And I think it really does kind of like uh, bring, bring that sense of urgency. I did a piece in 2013 about the battle of the sexes mm -hmm. uh, and the allegation that Bobby Riggs actually threw the match to satisfy a gambling debt. And my favorite part about the 14 minute piece I did for Outside the Lines was the archival stuff, hearing Howard Cosell's voice yeah. uh, and actually seeing the ABC broadcast uh, is just, it's a phenomenal thing. It's, um, you know, it, 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 and, and, and these podcasts have it and it's, uh, it, it's really amazing. So Richard Deitch wrote, you know, he gave you guys a glowing review and, and I should tell our listeners, everybody has given you guys, uh, <laughs> high marks and it's well-deserved. And, and if you haven't listened to them, please do. And we'll link on the newsletter to all five of, uh, of the first season episodes of the 30 for 30 uh, podcast. But Deitch said the ESPN executive who decided to greenlight Avergan as the narrator made a wise decision. And I hmm. completely agree with that. Who was that executive? I guess that must have been Cotter and Libby. Um, you know, that was really a, like, who's the nearest warm body who knows how to make podcasts? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'll take it. But no, look, I think that one of the things we've had to learn at ESPN, and I think is just in general something that you know is, is worth thinking about with podcasting versus other kinds of mediums is um the tone you know i think tone is such an important uh thing to consider when you're talking about different approaches to a story and so there's a way that you talk when you're on television and you're telling a story. Uh, certainly, there's a way you talk when you're on Sports Center, but even a way you talk when you're on Outside the Lines versus a way you can talk and should talk and I and I, and I believe kind of serve a podcast best. And I come from radio. I come from podcasting. I think I have that sort of tone as part of me, so it's sort of a natural fit. But I also think that like. If I'm on television, I talk a certain way. If I'm on a podcast, I talk a different way. I'm not, you know, being not true to myself in either of those mediums, but I think there's an understanding that you can be a little more intimate, a little more like casual, a little less voice of gaudy in podcasting. And as we take this project, and I think throughout ESPN in general, as there's more and more podcast um projects that are sort of percolating and especially these sort of ambitious narrative longer form podcast projects percolating. I think one of the really fun things is going to be to have these 
sports center anchors or these people who host daytime shows have an opportunity to go in a different direction and use a different tone and kind of show a different side of themselves that fits the medium. And, you know, not everyone can do that. Some people are born to be that voice of God, you know, reading that highlight, but others I think are, are able to, are like, it's really exciting to sort of show those different sides. Right. And then what you've been doing more recently, I wanted to talk a little bit about is the fact you're speaking to directors of some of the mm -hmm. 30 for 30s. I guess it's 30 for 30 plus, right? These are yeah. uh, episodes that have been posting just in the past couple of weeks and you've got more coming up, I see, in the next two to three weeks. These are with directors of the, the George Best uh, 30 for 30, uh, What Carter Lost, which just uh, aired this past week. Uh, and tell me a little bit about that. I guess that's a, an idea to, it's another way for the podcast series to highlight the great work that 30 for 30 is doing in the documentaries. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, our bread and butter is these long form docs that are happening Eventually, we're going to reach a rhythm where we're doing two seasons per year of four to six episodes per season. In between that, you know, there's a, there's six months in between that or five months in between those seasons. I think it's a good chance in the same feed to have these conversations about the films and talk to directors. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it's not also a good promotion for the films. I mean, it's a good way to sort of talk about these great films that are coming out and our podcast audience is hopefully, you know, hopefully there's people who listen to the podcast and now know that what Carter lost is out and it's a great film and they can go find it. You know, I all, but I, I think all of us really wanted to go beyond um, just a kind of two way conversation, a sort of informal chat, wanted to go beyond just pure promotion. You know, just whenever I do an interview, I always kind of want to use whatever, source material we're there f to talk about as a jumping off point to kind of the bigger ideas. And so I think in this, which I'd like to think it's a little bit, it's a bit of a cut above just uh, two people gabbing about a, a film. You know, we use a lot of archival from the film. We use a lot of music from the film. I hope that it's a little more polished. And if you talk about the sort of podcast landscape right now, there's this really interesting world of what I'll call, I don't know, polished talk, which like the daily at a, that, that the New York Times does. Um, they use a ton of archival and a ton of music, even though they're kind of a news interview show. Um, Another Round is a great BuzzFeed podcast. They kind of, I think, pioneered this in many ways. You know, it's, it's highly edited, highly produced, but at its heart, it's still a talk show. This is our kind of attempt at that, something a little more polished and sophisticated, even though it is just kind of two people talking. And so you're now pr pr producing the next season, the second mm -hmm. season. You're, there's going to be five episodes or four to six, roughly? What, yeah, what, we're, we're still not entirely sure how many it's going to be, but it's somewhere in that four to six range. And um, we've got, they're going to come out in November and then, you know, moving into 2018 and 2019 and, and beyond, we'll, we'll hopefully enter that rhythm of like one season in the spring, one season in the fall, four to five episodes each. That's great. It's, a, it's super ambitious. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's ambitious, but I also, you know, keep reminding myself that if someone gives you a chance to to make eight great things a year, that's, um, you know, that's a luxury. I mean, you got to rise to that bar and rise to those resources, you know, and, and take advantage of it. And it is a lot of work. I mean, I think part of what we're doing is, and a lot of others are doing is showing that like to do these things well and, and for these, for to make stuff like this, um, it takes time and it takes resources and it takes, uh, you know, a lot of bodies. And I think podcasting is, 
it's a very imperfect word. A lot of people think when they hear podcast, they think it's what we're doing here. Just two people talking, you record it, you put it out into the world, you're done. And so that's why I kind of tend to use the word audio documentaries just to calibrate people's expectations and like, hey, this is a lot closer to like a short film than it is to two people in a garage talking and um, mostly in terms of money and time. <laughs> and, and Jody, do you think that it's really, I mean, the, the field is so crowded. It seems like every day there's a new podcast that introdu is introduced and so many of them are, as you say, a couple of people just talking and it's sort of thrown mm -hmm. together and it's often compelling conversations, but it's such a crowded field. Is it necessary for the audio documentaries, the daily type, highly produced podcasts to really break through? And, and get the number of listens that would justify, you know, for instance, your guys, 30 for 30 podcast, you've got, uh, I think, five sponsors, right? Or six sponsors to justify the six, sponsorship. Yeah. yeah, six, which is which is phenomenal. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's this podcast explosion happening right now. Um, one good indication of how big the podcast explosion is, is that I'm hearing a lot of people talk about whether there's a podcast bubble right now. And I think that's a worthwhile question uh, to ask. But, uh, you know, I, I, I actually have found it really useful to think of the podcasting world on all fronts as just like three generations behind the TV world or the film world, you know? So if you think of, um, I don't know, the wild world of YouTube 10, maybe like six years ago, where there were just a ton of people making a ton of stuff and they were finding actually kind of like big niche audiences. And there was, you know, and then all of a sudden it started to, for better or for worse, you know, consolidate and commercialize and get and attract more big money and so forth. Uh, I think that's happening to the podcast world. And I think the film industry, certainly the TV industry went through that, you know, many many decades ago but this is still a very young world and a very young industry and I, and I mean there are entire genres of you know content of ways of expressing oneself that podcasting hasn't even done I mean there's it's just barely dipping its toe into like kids podcasts or science fiction podcasts or or um, uh, you know, uh, personal essay podcast. I mean, there's just all sorts of different ways that this will go and it will continue to go. It's just a matter of time. Um, but yes, when the big money shows up, it tends to, it will uh, inevitably skew a lot of the incentives and, and start to um, kind of like, you know, for better, or for worse, shake things out. But I think the, I don't know. I mean, our hope is that we can do a, do our small part to kind of like, elevate the ceiling a little bit, but I mean, there's so much more ceiling to be had. Well, and you said it so well earlier. I mean, it's such a great privilege and luxury that we have. I feel the same way with the job that I have in writing long form for ESPN mm -hmm. because we have an incredible amount of resources. We get a lot of time. And then when our work drops, it drops in a major way. The network gets entirely behind it in a cross-platform way uh, with your work as well as mine. And it's just, you know, you pinch yourself. It's a, it is a great luxury and privilege. But as you say, the bar is high and you've got to exceed it. There's also, there's also a fair amount of pressure. Um, you have a lot of help. Yeah. How much, what, what is the staff that you have for, uh, for, for the podcast? Yeah, so we have, uh, there's there's me, and then there we have three uh, producers who we recruited, um, who come from radio background, and then we have two production assistants, and then we have a lot of the ESPN Films folks who are really supporting this, both in terms of people who really know how to work the archives or work rights and clearances, um, 
I work really closely with Erin Leiden, who's a producer on the film side, and but has also directed a bunch of films. And she's kind of been my main editorial person. So she and I kind of have served as lead editors on all of these. Um, and then the other kind of level that we're trying to explore in future seasons is the ability to then work with outside folks. I mean, the, the way 30 for 30, the film's team works is basically almost all of those are done on the outside. You know, they come up with an idea, they develop an idea, they, you know, get it greenlit, have a budget, and they take it out into the world and say, okay, Errol Morris, you want to do this one? Or Jonathan Hawk, you want to do this one? Uh, and we're now trying to explore that too. You know, we come up with an idea. Some of them we report in-house like we did last season, but definitely uh, sometimes we just reach out to a producer we really like or a reporter we really like or a filmmaker we really like and say, hey, you want to try your hand at podcasting? We'll kind of help you translate your uh, your aesthetic and, you know, your reporting chops and we'll kind of help you make radio. And so I'm I'm really excited about that. And I think we're in a position, it's already starting to happen, where like an idea arises and it just now can manifest itself in a bunch of different ways. Okay, is this going to be an OJ style 10 part doc? Is this going to be just a straightforward film? Is this, or is this going to be a podcast? Or is this going to be a short film? Or is this going to be a podcast? We now have that like range of ways to kind of uh, tell these stories, which is great. So November is the next season. You, you mm -hmm. can't tell me what the subjects are, I'm sure, but when will the first sneak preview be of what kind of stories we can expect in November? I think we'll start to, you know, create a little buzz in, I don't know, in early October, maybe late September. Um, you know, we'll we'll circulate some uh, some previews and 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 start to start the machine. But you know, one of the really great things about podcasting um, is that it's there, like it's sitting there, you know, you know, films, I mean, obviously you could go to watch ESPN and see a 30 for 30, but like, it's really all about when it airs on the network and that's the big push. And then the day after it's kind of like, okay, and what's on to the next one? I really feel like, and we're seeing this in the numbers, you know, we now have a catalog of five film, uh, five audio docs that people can go back and revisit. And I'm, you know, much more interested through this summer and into the fall to kind of like get people to go and binge on those than I am about kind of like previewing what's next. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll create the buzz for what's next starting in mid-October, but for in between now and then, I really want people who haven't heard it to go back and, and listen to those. Five. And you're finding in the numbers, the metrics that people are still discovering it and listening to the five podcasts even now? Yeah, I think the ad, the sales folks call it a long, t a fat tail. Is that what it is? But yes, like it's, there's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's really encouraging. You know, it's, it's simmering at a really nice clip. And I think people are realizing that, yeah, that's just sitting there for you. And so whenever you discover, and this is the case in a lot of podcasts, you know, there's people, I mean, look at the podcast charts, like serial is still huge because there's still people who now are like discovering it and experiencing it for the first time. And it's just sitting there and you can binge whenever you want. Or if you have a long, you know, car trip, I'd like to think, you know, okay, now we'll, we'll, you know, we'll not, we'll take care of your car trip for you. We got five of these docs just sitting there for you. So yeah, we're seeing that. Okay. Before I let you go, I want to ask a couple mm -hmm. quick questions about the Sunday long read. You are our guest yes. editor this week. Uh, what has that been like? Uh, is it something that you are going to swear to me when it's all over, you never want to do again? Uh, or has it been fun? No, it's been fun. I mean, I think I'm, I'm taking over the whole thing. So I'm picking some stuff to read as well as recommending some stuff to listen to. So it's been great. I mean, I think you probably feel this way each week that um, it's a 
as in writing the newsletter, it's a good chance to sort of take stock and just think of, and force yourself to like read a bunch of stuff and think about why you, why you value it. I mean, it's so easy these days to just get caught up in the, uh, the latest, you know, little, uh, shiny object. And so forcing yourself to kind of stop and read some long pieces and really think about why, what they do for you has, has been really nice. Well, Jacob Feldman, uh, my co-pilot on the newsletter and I are so grateful that every week you pick your favorite podcast for us on the Sunday pod and, uh, you're guesting this week and we're thrilled about that. And, uh, yeah. Jody, thank you so much for doing this continued success with the 30 for 30 podcasts and, uh, and the 538 work that you do and, uh, hope to talk again soon. Yeah, thanks. Tom. Thanks, Jody. This has been Don Van Natta with the initial Sunday long read pod. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again. <laughs>